everybody. Hello and welcome. Sit down, grab your favorite hot or cold beverage, and welcome to another episode of Nerds of the North, the premier former video game show, hosted by Two Brothers and Third Guy, only live from Simon's Basement, Adam's Basement. And Matt, can you confirm what room of a house you're in? I am back on my second floor. There you go. Okay, perfect. So things we at one point things were wrong and now things are are back to being right this is good <laughs> it was uh matt needs to be on the second floor in order for this to really work i hope you enjoyed that episode that we did last week where we brought in special guest star tiago that was a lot of fun um but we're very excited to get going with a new episode today on episodes two and three of falcon and the winter three Soldier. And four sorry oh my goodness yeah you're right three and four of falcon and the winter soldier uh which is it's exciting but before that I do want to sneak a couple bits of video game news in because, uh, as I said, we used to be a video game show. It's still our roots. Uh, so I finished Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, but as I'm sure, I don't think it's even a spoiler to say because it's just common knowledge. To say Final Fantasy VII Remake is incredibly misleading because it's like a 35-hour version of a five-hour segment of the of Final Fantasy VII. So... It's like the first act of the original game. They stretched it out to being a full thing. Now, it, it, it works because that act has everything you want in an act. It's got, you know, the, the setup, the conclusion. It's got character drama. It's got plot twists. It's got betrayal. It's got, you know, love interests. It's got everything that you need in a story. But you do get to the end and you're just like, oh, so this is, uh, this is not done. <laughs> <laughs> There's a significant cliffhanger, but I do get... On one hand, I, I do get that, you know, they don't want to deal with the fact that uh, they don't want to deal with the fact that it takes it, it's a lot longer to make this game than it would be in the original. I, I totally believe that because of the stuff that they had to do. Um, on the other hand, though, there's a lot of fluff and the fluff matters. They're uh, at, like my choices matter more than I thought I did or they thought they did. I got to a couple of cases where I look up after I'm like, why did this go in this direction? Oh, you didn't do enough side quests early on. Really? I had to find more cats? Because I, I did the... There are two sections of the game where it just slows down. It's like, now it's side quest time. I think last time we recorded, I was talking about the first one, and then I ran to another one, and I was like, I, I'm enjoying the story. I don't feel like doing this again. I don't feel like stopping everything that I'm doing to do side quests. Uh, so I didn't do them, and then it came back to bite me in the ass. But the way it goes. I will say, I, I very much want at least Matt... And maybe Adam, because I think you should be able to play it on the uh, PS4, Adam. Just sign into my account still. <clears throat> and you should be able to get it on PS Plus. I will say, it it's not a remake. That's well, that's all I'll say. From from what I understand, it is a remake, just not in the way that that word usually means. No. No, I'm even going to disagree with that. It's not a remake. There, You get to a point where just like, oh, this is what's happening. Okay. Okay, so I think the remake title gets people in the door. I mean, I know I understand what you're saying and that it's not a remake because it's like action combat instead of turn based. I think that's probably what you've heard and what they meant by it. That is but no, that is not what I was referring to. Okay, so it is an yeah. in-universe remake. Is what I've as in like the story is the same. Well, as is in like it is. It's not a remake in the sense that they've remade the game. It's out of like in from a met, from a game design perspective, it is a remake in the sense that in the universe of the game, the story is literally being retold differently. 
Wow, you got. To, yeah, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything for Matt, but that's that's dangerously close to the correct answer, Adam. <laughs> so, so it's sort of like the the better way to describe it was, and this is like again, I'm trying to skirt around the way that they do spoilers. I think the game is made to be played by someone who'd played and loved the original. I think that's good. like watching a few times. I was just like, who the fuck is that guy? And then I would watch a video of someone who had played it before. And I'm just like, and when that person came up on screen, they freaked out. Whereas like when I knew when I saw Seth Roth for the first time, I'm like, oh, it's him. He's famous. It's that guy. You know, yeah. but there are a couple <laughs> other times I'm like, I feel like that's an Easter egg for something that I'm not understanding. And then later on, I discovered that's exactly what that was. But yeah, a better way to describe it was it. It's sort of within the multiverse <laughs> of Final <laughs> Fantasy seven. But it's a it's a, a telling of the original story. It's not a scene by scene remake, which is was really interesting. I, I, I expected it to be more faithful than it kind of was. And it that's kind of ballsy, too, to take one of the most beloved games of all time and be like, what if what if we, we didn't? <laughs> what if we I mean, Dis- it? Disney already, you know, showed us or taught us all the lesson that like, you know, a shot for shot remake of the classic just but like looking nicer. It's not always the way to go. So having played none of the original or the remake, I kind of actually I'm excited by hearing that it's just not the exact same thing over again, because like even in like classics that we love, you go back and there's always like some part where you're like, eh, this this doesn't really hold up. Maybe this one bit of it wasn't actually that good. So, you know, if they're actually like uh, just taking another run at it, you know, little things that might just not really work in a modern game if they can change those things out and do something new with it that sounds good to me that's that's how i'll leave it for uh for you guys to discover when and if you play it i think matt's probably more likely than adam but there you go um if you do hop on the train and play it it's in my ps plus library so i'll definitely get around to it at some point perfect so just know i mean you can there are definitely scenes where um having done the side quests helps but if you just want to go through the story, you can just watch those scenes on YouTube. It's what I. Mean, I it's what I I'm an obsessive did. side quester, so I, I if I do play it, I will I will not be surprised if I do that. So, yeah, I do. Uh, I do yeah. like some side quest whimsy. I got pretty into it in Final Fantasy 15, where you know, going after all the different colored chocobos and stuff like that. So I'm I'm down for some good, like totally irrelevant side questing. Okay, we'll see how you guys feel. Because I'm—I don't mean to like bash side quests as a whole. I'm—I uh, now I feel the need to defend myself. I—I I, I do like a good side quest, but the key is a good side quest. This was like we're dealing with this intense drama of the story, and suddenly it's going to slow down so you can like help a child with something. It's like, damn, bro, I got better shit to do. I want to see what's going on. And also, I mean, the time that I was playing it, I thought the game would be deleted on April first, and it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. I mean, it can't be worse than the like like not even trying to cover it up like sponsored cup noodles and Coleman camping uh, side quests from Final Fantasy 15, which I did all of. So, you know, if I made it through that, I'll probably be fine with whatever this one has. You're right. Compared to that, I'm sure it's not that bad. The other game that I've been playing and I'll keep this nice and short because we got to get stuff too. I've been playing Cyberpunk 2077. I think I mentioned that I was going to attempt to get into it last time and because they had like this huge update. So I was like, maybe now's the time to get into it. And then I like I booted up three hours later, I opened up my phone and I saw like a news article that was recommended for me. And the title of the news article was if you were waiting for the update to fix Cyberpunk 77 to play it, it hasn't or something like that. Like it was basically 
if you were in my exact situation, now is still not the time to start it. But I'm like, eh, fuck it, I'll play it. So the game has crashed a bunch still. Like, I think it's crashed more than every other game I've played in the last year combined, probably like eight to ten times in the past. I've played maybe, I don't know, six hours, which is a fair amount of times. But other than that, it's been pretty smooth. Now, I'm playing on a, a PS5. I thought it was one of those games that had a PS5 upgrade. It's not. It's not. It just plays smoother on a PS5 because it's more powerful. But unlike uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, for example, you can't download a free PS5 version, which I was kind of annoyed at, but whatever. And you know what? The game's fine. <laughs> I feel like if you, if your two favorite games in this world, we'll put in three. If your three favorite games in this world are GTA, Dishonored, and Deus Ex, this game will have you creaming your jeans for 60 hours straight. <laughs> I've played all three of those games. Of the three of them, I think I like GTA the most. And other than like the fact that there's cars and an open world, this game is like GTA the least. <laughs> so it's just not my vibe. I'm going to keep playing it because I'm loyal to CD Projekt Red, but um, it, it's just not my vibe the, the side quests aren't grabbing me like they did in the witcher 3 the the gunplay is fine i'm i have terrible aim so i'm shooting or i'm uh, trying to hack things more than i'm shooting and it's not particularly going well for me because then i'll get frustrated and i'll just run with a shotgun and it's just like that's not how my character is built so i should probably not be doing that but i don't know maybe it'll improve it did have like a a, a sweet i don't want to say like what are the odds that you guys play it i know adam is basically zero yep I would say low, not zero, but not high. I would I'd put it at like 10, 15 percent. OK, so then I'll spoilers for people who want to go in totally fresh. I'll spoil the premise of the story. OK, so this is like the first act part. OK, because this this part was actually really cool, something I had never seen before. So you start off, you have three different uh, openings. To my knowledge, they within about 45 minutes, you were in the place that everyone's going to end up. So like the fact that you had different starts, I'll uh, like fallout or mass effect or something like that really didn't matter after that long which was kind of disappointing i do get like regular conversation options based off my uh background which is neat i guess but anyway so you start off you you meet up with your your best friend jackie jackie's a total bro he's been in a ton of the promotional material you do a bunch of different things and then you get hired to do a heist you're gonna rob some basically like if mark zuckerberg was king of the world <laughs> Like one corporation is in charge of pretty much everything and you're going to rob it's an Asian corporation. So you're going to rob the emperor. That's what he goes by the emperor's son, right? Things go horrible. And it turns out the thing you're robbing was like this little, basically a USB drive, but it can go in people like everyone walking around is essentially a cyborg. Hence the name cyberpunk, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So while you're there, Jackie, the guy that you're with, he puts the USB drive like in him to keep it alive because it was in a containment box, essentially that got damaged. He puts it in him. Then he dies and he says, it can't all be for nothing. Basically uh, you need to take this. So you take the USB drive and put it in yourself. What's in the USB drive. Keanu Reeves. Exactly. Yeah. But not in the way that I was expecting. So basically a long time ago, it's unclear how long, cause I'm not sure how long a human life is, but he mentions like 60 years. Although then you run into someone that he worked with and they don't seem like they're like a, your standard 80 year old, but whatever. A long time ago, Keanu was basically a rock star freedom fighter terrorist. So it's funny to play two games around with terrorists back to back. 
and he uh it, everything went totally wrong for his heist plan he got captured by said emperor who then decided the best way to get rid of him was to torture him and extract essentially his soul into a usb drive and then that's what you stole you stole essentially the soul of this person so it's not just like a recording of their personality like jor-el and man of steel or something this is him and now he's in you and because of the way that the drive works it's killing you. He is taking over your soul, and neither one of you are particularly thrilled about it. So now I'm in the stage, like, I've hit the, the bulk of the game where it's, I have some other things I want to get done, but chiefly, I need to stop this from happening. Because it's probably <laughs> going to kill both of us if he takes me over. As far as a premise goes, that's brand new. I haven't, I can't think of a movie, I can't think of a TV um... show. I'm sure like no. a possession thing, Adam, I'm sure is yeah. going to chime in. But that exact thing where you have a rock star terrorist <laughs> in your brain that's taking over your body was relatively new to me. Well, that's I mean, pretty yeah, cool, yeah. That's fair. That is, it's a new twist on it. But when you said that, my first tooth, my first thought was, oh, it's Iron Man 2. And my second thought was, oh, it's Shadow of War. Or Shadow of Mordor, I guess. Yeah, I so, mean, there's been I, there's been stories with other characters in your head, but this isn't uh, the fact that they're killing you is interesting. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead, I Tom. immediately went to like in cyberpunk Russia, Matrix <laughs> plugs into you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's Keanu Reeves and like getting plugged into people's heads. I'm like, there's something here. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting. I'll keep playing it. Uh, but right now I'm mostly playing it out of obligation to the fact that I have it. You know, it, it, I haven't hit that part where I like have a deep desire to go back to it, you know? Yeah. yeah. But whatever, it's been long enough. We've been talking about stuff that's not Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Let's move on to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm replaying it on my phone because for some reason it's not working on my goddamn computer. That's kind of a pain in the ass. Um, But we'll start off with episode three. And I think I don't know how long they they take to fuck around. Like they have a little bit of a banter at the beginning of the episode. But uh, the gist of it is. Uh, oh, yeah. So episode three really established John Walker not getting treated the way John Walker feels John Walker is supposed to be treated. Yep. Which is going to become a theme. A theme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's funny. I'd really like to talk to like someone who's gung ho patriotic American about this show or maybe just like listen to a podcast because obviously Americans do a few of those. But this to me, it, it feels like they went out and they tried to make a Captain America that felt more like America to not America, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Like Chris Evans was how America saw America. John Walker is how the rest of planet Earth sees America. Do you know what I mean? Uh, well, yeah, I, mean, I like think the... The, rest of, the rest of planet Earth sees America as Homelander, but this is pretty close. <laughs> yeah, it's like well... the idealized America versus like the America we actually have. Exactly. So we'll get more to that in a second. Well, we'll get certainly get more to that when we get to episode four. But it starts off, they go meet Zemo. My first thought when I thought when I saw Zemo, first of all, Civil War might be my favorite MCU movie. I think it's like the true the first true. Like really, really comic book feeling movie where it's just like, yeah, all these people are there. They would be there. You know, there's no excuse for this person's out of the movie because we couldn't afford them. Here they all are. So I love Civil War. I love Zemo. Um, my first thought when I saw him, though, was, did he really whisper this much in the original Civil War? I feel like he never is talking without whispering, you know? Yeah, he is pretty sleuthy. I don't I didn't really notice the whispering thing, but I'd be interested to go back and see. 
yeah, I might have to go back and see it. But they they break him out, or rather, as Bucky phrases it in the next episode, he <laughs> breaks himself out. <laughs> and then now we're on this. What was formerly a buddy cop movie is now a Zemo cop movie. And you know what? I'm really impressed because I think everyone at the beginning, when you watch it, you're just like, oh, so they're working on with the bad guy. He's going to betray them at some point. And he might. But what I've been really impressed by is like Zemo's motivations in Civil War were so clear, like superhumans killed my family. Um, fuck all superhumans. I'm just here to get rid of them. Right. And I'm really happy that at two at still a point of recording um, before episode five, they have not betrayed that uh, that mindset for Zemo. He's still like he's working with these guys. He doesn't particularly like them. Like he makes the comment to his driver. Like if you find some rotten food, feel free to feed it to them, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, But like, that's his goal. He's getting rid of superhumans. And if working with these guys is how he's going to do it. Well, I guess that's what he's going to do. What did you guys think of kind of Zemo in episode three? Maybe Matt or Adam go first. Sure. I'm delighted that he's back. Like he was probably... He wasn't my favorite MCU villain, but he might have been the best one that isn't named Loki. Um, or Thanos. Or Thanos. Well, I, I, I take points off of Thanos because Infinity War Thanos was excellent. Endgame Thanos was a bitch. Well, so, true. It's different Thanos, but I see your point. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, but I, I really love Zemo. I'm, I'm delighted he's back. I, I like that we get to see a little more of him, but I, as you said, I think the most important thing is that his character has been entirely consistent throughout. Um, and I like the Easter egg of getting to see him in the mask. Uh, I, I think that was episode three. I don't remember. They kind yeah, of it was an episode together. three. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. I also liked the other character reintroduction we got in episode three, uh, which I don't. Well, think we'll, we well yeah, we'll get to yet, that in a second. Yeah, uh, yeah I, no, especially I, like. Sorry, I'm keep all going. Positives. I'm all positives for Zemo. Zemo, I think they did a really good job writing that first scene on the plane where it's just like, of course, he's I mean, he's a bear. And I like that they were just like, he's not just some schlub who was in the military. He's a, they went with the whole bear and Zemo thing, which is smart. But the writing, I thought for him was very clever. Like he's he, he had an ideology that doesn't work with them, but he really catches Sam off guard when he's like, yeah, the Trouble Man soundtrack. That's it's fucking great. And by the way, after that episode, I wouldn't listen to the Trouble Man soundtrack. It's fucking great. (laughs) (laughs) He's out of line, but he's got a point. That is is very memeable. That will be Mm. memed. It was a great, there's a lot of memes in the show. But Matt, what did you think about uh, about Zemo in episode three? I absolutely loved him. I gotta say, I was pretty uh, medium on Zemo coming back. I I thought he was fine in Civil War, which is probably also my favorite MCU movie. you know, he was functional, but I thought that movie didn't really need like a big hulking bad guy because, you know, the real conflict was between the Avengers themselves. Right. So Zemo was functional in that movie, but I didn't really love him. Um, I find him infinitely more interesting uh, and fun to watch in this than I did in Civil War. Uh, like after the when I saw him first coming back in, I was like, oh, OK, like, sure. You know, all right. It's a callback. That's fine. And by the end of episode three and especially after episode four, I'm like, I just want to see more Zemo. He's mm-hmm. he's written so interestingly and the dynamics between uh, he and Sam and Bucky um, and and some of the other guys that they run into later is so interesting. It's just there's every scene that he's in, he steals for me. Um, I'd love to see more of him. And one thing I wanted to 
mention because I went on a bit of a rant of it in our previous episode with the Justice League. Mm-hmm. They brought back Zemo's theme. Yeah, there you go. And they brought back in the, in episode three alone. They brought back Zemo's theme, Bucky's Winter Soldier theme, and the uh, theme for the Dormilaje, the um, the Wakandan like royal guards yeah. that we see at the very end. I love it. I'm so happy. I will say I don't I don't like need like thematic material for like each individual people. You can just have a good soundtrack and have it be a good soundtrack. Um, but I love it when like they actually bring back musical cues as a way to help you understand the characters, you know, like Zemo's theme isn't some like, you know, grand, like best melody of all time or anything like that. But it's like we have an established theme for this character. So when we see him, it comes back. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just a thing that makes sense. Um, and it's especially in that first scene, we get both his theme and the Winter Soldier theme when he tries to um, when he uses Bucky's. Uh, I can't think of the word, trigger but like word. Trigger, trigger words. words. Yeah. 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 And the Winter Soldier theme comes back and then it stops and Bucky's like, no, that's not me anymore. You know, and then it goes away. Um, it was really, really nice. I just wanted to mention that because I kind of ranted against uh not doing that sort of thing in our previous episode uh, but yeah i love zemo back he's I, I like him way more here than i did in civil war i can't wait to see more of him the uh this might i don't know if this is a hot take or not i feel like it might not be i think the um <coughs> excuse me i think the bucky's specifically winter soldier theme is the strongest musical thing the mcu has ever done there's been some great themes like i, lo- I love a lot of the moments in in Endgame and Infinity War, the way they build up to it, and then they've climactic. We've talked about that before. It still stands, but when you hear that that Winter Soldier theme of just the screaming, the way it gets you on edge, and at this point, it's so ingrained in that we know what it means that when it comes on, you can feel Bucky's anxiety growing. You know, so the few times they brought mm-hmm. it back, and then it went back, and then when they've had the the Winter Soldier flashback scenes, it was like they're in full effect, not getting muffled at all. It's such brilliant, uh, such brilliant composition to use it in that way. I totally agree. Yeah. And that and just hearing that sound comes with so much baggage now because of what it's been associated with. And for me, that's like that's music used perfectly when you just hear a sound and you just you feel all these emotions and it comes with all this context and subtext that you get from it being used in previous things. That's just perfect to me i loved it yeah like the winnipeg jets i don't know if you guys ever got to a game early enough but of course as a a former and i guess still current employee they would play it in like before their warm-ups it would be one of the i think it was actually for the moose either way they would play it before their warm-ups it's just like the the players are coming out soon and to me like i guess that works if you haven't seen a lot of mcu movies but just always set me on edge like it wasn't necessarily get hyped music it was just like mm, something's about to go horribly wrong here <laughs> yeah so they got in it didn't happen in uh, wandavision but they made sure to get it in in falcon and the winter soldier they did their legally mandated this is a crime uh we have to go through a, a nightclub at least once and they go through a few so they go to madripoor which i love the way it was described especially with uh, godzilla and king kong oh god sorry godzilla versus kong they can't have the king for copyright reasons or whatever but uh I love that they didn't, they described it as Skull Island. That was a funny way to describe it and perfectly timed. But uh, they go to Madripoor. And again, this is a scene where like you've watched enough shows that you think Zemo might betray them. 
you know, like yeah. this would be the place mm-hmm. they're in the hive of scum and villainy to quote Star <laughs> Wars. Right. But uh, this would be a great time for Zemo to, to absolutely betray them and fuck them over. He doesn't, he's in just as much danger as them. And then like things go wrong, but uh, it's kind of Sam's fault for not having his phone on silent as opposed to Zemo's fault. And then Zemo's advice does get them out of there. So it's yeah. like, we know not to trust him and he's doing these little things that still keep you on edge and remind him that he's a villain but they're doing a really great job of establishing that he's like working to the same goals. They are also the scene where he was, Sam had to drink like a snake liver or. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But like, that was so funny. I love these. (laughs) Oh, I love that whole scene. Just the tension of like, whether or not they're going to be able to stay in character and stay hidden. And like the entire time you don't really know if Zemo's setting them up or not. Like I, throughout this episode and the whole next episode I was always on edge as to whether Zemo was someone they could trust or not because you know he's not really but their goals do kind of align in this so you don't you're kind of waiting for him to betray them the entire time and you don't really know when it's going to come and I, I just love the tension with like every scene that he's in and this one was one of my favorites with it yeah the, ma- the major problem I had with this scene other than that other than which I loved it was that you like I maybe I'm just not a big enough comic nerd, but I had no idea who Sam was supposed to be playing. So I'm like, I don't know if he's doing a good job. Like, is the is this guy like his name is what Smiling Tiger or something? Yeah, Smiling yeah. Tiger. Is he supposed to be standing there looking like a pimp and saying nothing? Not even smiling? Like, is that uh, is that pimp is, that is from the American or? perspective, Adam? Pimp is from the American's <laughs> perspective. Only American would assume that a fashionable black man would be a pimp. That was such a great <laughs> line, too. <laughs> this is a great As, line. Especially but because like, you could totally see Zemo like, I'm gonna dress this motherfucker like a pimp, and then like just bamboozle him afterward with that line. Yeah. <laughs> but like I'm I'm looking at it, I'm just going, I, I don't know if he's doing a good job. I know what Bucky's supposed to be doing. Because I have seen him as the Winter Soldier, but I have no idea who this smiling tiger guy is. Yeah. So, it, like, it would have been nice if they'd had just a couple lines of Zemo going, "Okay, so he's like this, this, and this. So do these things," and then we could go, "Okay, Sam is doing a terrible job. They are fucked." And that, but no, you just get no context, which I didn't like. But other than that, yeah, it's a it's a really good scene. Yeah, uh, I think my favorite part in that scene, which was like it was kind of a sad moment, is seeing Zemo basically order Bucky around as the Winter Soldier and you can just see like how much it hurts him to have to like put on that persona again Mm -hmm. it's so uncomfortable for him and he just hates it but it's just it's what they have to do in the moment I thought that was a really a a really nice touch it was a little bit hard to watch I think that I mean we'll get to this when we get to the next episode and we won't we'll try I'll try not to spend too much longer but um to me, it feels like two two thoughts on Sebastian Stan. The first one is significant. The second one is stupid. Uh, actually, I'll start off with the stupid one. Does anyone think Sebastian Stan's voice sounds like a non-American trying to do an American accent? That's like the weirdest take. But when I hear him, it just sounds like a British person trying to sound as plain as humanly possible. It's just like, you couldn't have done that earlier. Like, it just trying to sound like they're taking all tone and any like regional nuance it's just flat you know and i i like sebastian a lot but whenever i hear him that's what i think 
So that's one hot take. And let, let us know on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash fuck. What is it? Nerds of the North, <laughs> Nerds of the North podcast or something like that. I'll, uh, I'll look it up after. But um, and the other thing is, I feel like they've like a lot of Bucky's power. It's Nerds of the North podcast, by the way. A lot of Bucky's power in combat came from the Winter Soldier, because if you watch those, the like specifically Captain America and the Winter Soldier, right? He's going toe to toe with Captain America, if not winning, right? And Captain yeah. America is the best hand to hand fighter in the MCU. So when they're in these fights, like I want to see Bucky dominate a little bit more. Now Walker will kind of comment on that next episode, but I feel like they, there hasn't been a skill gap between Bucky and everybody else so far in the way that is satisfying to me as a, as a Bucky fan, but that might be something that he's just going to like, he's, he's pushing it down. Cause a lot of that reminds him of winter soldier is that's, I think where the story is going, but yeah, that's kind of how I read it was like, he's, he's not comfortable really with his own powers, you know, like if he had the choice, I think he would just take them all the way in a second. So that, that's sort of how I read it was where he's never really going full out on people. Yeah. Because it it just reminds him too much. Yeah, exactly. So then they have a scene with they meet someone named Selby. Sure. I think Sharon Carter probably is the person who eliminates Selby. But to be fair, they never ask her, I don't think. So that was a bit weird. This Selby person gets assassinated after Sam basically blows the cover. So they do kind of save them from that. They make their way out. And now you meet Sharon Carter, who, uh, while Zemo was a very consistent character, Sharon Carter is not. But they lampshade it by who is it? I think Bucky is like she's she's an asshole now or something. Yeah. Like that. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, what? Yes, yeah, she is. Yeah, she's sketchy as fuck. So I mean, they it, they really like hammered home at the end of the episode that she's clearly working with someone sketchy. But uh, I'm calling it now. She's the power broker. See, the That's thing is, the power broker has clearly existed for longer than Sharon Carter has been a madripoor. So the only way she's the power broker is if I think she's working for the power broker, but the only way she's the power broker is if it's a, and it's funny how some of the names are, if it's a shadow broker situation, you know, where no one knows the power broker. And so she kind of figured it out and assumed the title that could be, but like the fact that she's selling like art and she lives in high town, but also if she was the power broker, would she go out there and like manhandle like seven assassins that were trying to get to, to Bucky and Sam later on. I don't I don't know. I feel like a power broker would have someone else go rather than risk themselves. But yeah, it's oh, a good point. That's that, that's where I'm putting my money. I'm 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 that's the camp I'm I'm laying that in cuz like why would you go that hard on her being such a bitch if she you was. weren't going to set that up. Although yeah, her my being money such right a bitch. now is on Yeah, my oh. money right now is on Zemo, although in a way that seems maybe too obvious. So then I kind of back myself down from that. But I it's it's really up in the air, even after episode four. Like it could be a whole bunch of people and I would and I would be surprised and not surprised at the same time. Yeah, they played it well. The Sharon Carter thing did get us to the scene that apparently broke the internet. I didn't realize it until I went on Twitter after the show, but people love that half second clip of Zemo dancing. People love it. <laughs> yep. It was good. This there was actually like I wouldn't say this is a funny show, but I think it integrates humor really well. At times, the MCU is a little bit too like jokey, jokey for my taste. Um, even when it's funny, I think it's it's at times it can be a little bit too in your face. I really like the way humor has been integrated into the show because there's a lot of really funny moments, but I don't think anyone would describe the show as a like particularly funny show, even though there actually is a pretty good amount of humor in it. I like how they've done 
uh, pretty much all the jokes so far. Agreed. It's been really well balanced, I think. Mm -hmm. So then they meet Wilfred Nagel, uh, the guy who devised the super or who redid the super solar serum. And this is the scene. If you go back and watch it, apparently uh, part of the reason that this show was delayed was because they had a lot of like virus plots. That's oh, why yeah. <laughs> Mama Danya is dead. And they were just like, mm, maybe not. So I didn't notice it that much until I watched a couple of videos on it. And sure enough, if you go back and watch that scene where they're talking to Nagel and uh, he's just like, I knew this person. She was sick in the slums. And then Sam is like, what did she have? And then it cuts away and the audio quality definitely changes when he's like tuberculosis. But like it's not it, it's clearly not set at the same time. It fooled me at the time. But then when you watch it back, you're just like, oh, yeah, clearly that's uh, clearly they recorded that later. So something happened there. Whatever. This scene I thought was fine. This guy was like a, a good scumbag, smug ass doctor. I kind of, th- I, I kind of didn't like the idea that the super soldier serum that he could revise it to not make you huge, you know, because that was one of the things that the M's, I know they're like, they have magic and other bullshit now, but at the time it was like, he's got powers or he has the, the powers of peak human stuff, but that because look at him, you know? Yeah. There's no hiding it. You don't have super strength. Although I guess now that you have Spider-Man, maybe that's their justification. But at the time, I kind of liked it. My one thought about this scene, though, and it's also comes up in the next scene. Two of my great pet peeves when it comes to movies and TV shows. Both scenes had one of them. The first one, shooting a gun next to someone's ear. Sometimes yeah. it's used as almost like a torture. Like, don't fuck around with me. I'm going to deafen you in this ear. In this one, I think Zemo shoots a gun next to Nag- Nagel's ear. Just to annoy him. And then afterward, he just like gives him a glare. It's like, did you have to do it? It's not a Nerf gun for fuck's sakes. Like that ear's fucked now. <laughs> and then the other one, when people receive violent head trauma and then they just get up, you know? So yeah. it, <laughs> we'll get to it. Uh, but uh, what's the word? Zemo gets hit in the head by Captain America's shield, thrown hard thrown hard and then the next scene he just got like a cold towel on his head and drinking some whiskey what (laughs) yeah particularly the next episode episode four has a little bit of like selective use of when things actually do real damage to people Mm -hmm. and not that's a little bit distracting but uh yeah i did like the the doctor um the way he was acted just like rode the line between like sort of pathetic like sniveling nerd scientist and like someone that like is actually really creepy like he's mm-hmm. he's uncomfortable to watch i think i don't know who this actor is but i think he did a really good job with it i agree to me it, in a weird way it kind of reminded me of something that belonged in breaking bad where it was just like he's the genius scientist who doesn't want to be dealt with like a a more evil version of that guy in breaking bad who's obsessed with coffee you know that walt works with yeah. And it was just like, he just wants to be left alone. He doesn't have a lot of social skills because he just wants to do his science and listen to his music. And as a result, yeah, he's a, he's a little bit uncomfortable to be around. What did you guys think? Maybe we'll go to Adam first of the Sharon Carter, like extended action scenes through all of this. Um, I thought that, I mean, that was part of why I'm like, I, I have my theories about her. Cause I'm like, why do they keep showing her mm-hmm. if they're not paying, going to pay it off later? Um, but yeah, no, I th- I thought it was fine. Uh, I thought it did a good job of illustrating just how many people are coming to kill them. Although I very much feel like the bad guy should have led with the bazooka. 
Yeah. <laughs> and and generally speaking, whenever I see a bazooka in a movie, it's like you should have led with the bazooka. Well, if the implication is that they were trying to not kill the only guy who could make the serum, though, then it kind of makes sense. But yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I, re I really like the scene, actually. I thought the there was some like really cool action bits that like one shot in particular I really liked is when some dude with an assault rifle like rushes her and tries to shoot her and she just sort of grabs it and they like sort of like ride it up together as it like keeps shooting up into the air. I thought that shot was really cool. Mm -hmm. um, I like the stuff in the escape where Bucky like in like throws a pipe and like impales a guy. Yeah, there's some like little subtle like superhuman stuff like Sharon's not impaling a dude on a pipe, you know, like yeah. Bucky does that, but it's not like some gigantic show off of his like superhuman stuff. He's not jumping around like Jessica Jones or anything like that. Um, yeah, I, I thought I thought the scene was really cool and it was great at the end to see Zemo put the mask on. That was a cool moment, even as a non like comic fan kind of guy. It's a great look. I love Zemo's like jacket he has with the the big like fur ruffs and everything like that. It was it was cool for someone who's not like a, a typical kind of like super villain. It was cool to see him in that role, even for just, you know, half a scene. Agreed. Did you guys. OK, so two two thoughts before we end the talk on on episode three and move on to episode four. Uh, did you guys believe that Zemo was going to betray them? Because that was clearly the bait and switch, right? Like he disappears after he killed the guy but again is that like they wanted that guy alive but zemo's here because he hates super soldiers so yeah he's gonna shoot the guy who can make yeah. more super soldiers like it was just it was eel but it was very consistent with his character and again you think he's gonna betray them but he's too smart for that betraying them would not be to his best interest he would get found his smartest move for him is truly to stick with these two and that's why he did it. I thought that the for a little bit I was baited, but then when he came back, I'm like, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I I didn't fall for that. Yeah, I keep I keep <laughs> expecting him to betray him, but you're right. It like every time he comes back, it's like, well, yeah, if he just ran off, it wouldn't make much sense. Like he, his his goals are best served by sticking with these guys. Um, and it it just makes a really fun tension for me every time that he's in a scene because because he's not really like on the team fully right like mm -hmm. there's there's always something at the end where bucky and sam are like like come on like why did you do that like you're messing it up it's like well you know you need me wild card <laughs> and also yeah. uh, i'm here to do a very specific thing and that doesn't exactly align with what you guys are here to do yeah you're here to figure nope. out what's going on with carly i'm here to destroy super soldiers and they happen to align for the most part but yeah exactly not not fully. I fully expect, I think Zemo will turn against them, but I don't think it'll be some sort of like mustache twirling betrayal. I think it'll just become that their needs will no longer align with his. And I feel like they've established that he's going to stick down that line of killing super soldiers. Speaking of super soldiers, uh, what do you think about the, I mean, Zemo is kind of a wild card, which means the true villain right now is Carly and the Flag Smashers. Um, Matt, what do you think of them so far? As they in episode three, at the very end, they blow up a building. Their first real, like, proper villain act. Mm -hmm. I like them in these episodes a lot more than I did at the beginning. They seem they're um, they have a lot more personality and uh, and kind of like backstory to them. They're definitely less just sort of like generic super henchmen, um, which I like a lot. It's um, you know, it's still not necessarily like the most original group in the world, right? The 
you know, oh, like we're 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 trying to do good, but like have like really, you know, harsh, destructive, bad means. Um, but I I think they actually they they do a really good job of of creating some personality within the group and showing that like yeah they're not just you know like bloodthirsty sort of madmen um just sort of generic villains um i'm not i'm not in love with them um but i think they've done a good job of making a relatively generic group of people have some actual interesting uh, character traits and i'm i'm interested to see particularly with carly i'm interested to see where they're going to go yeah, that's a good way to phrase it. I think that they're inherently uninteresting and they're doing their best. I think I had actually I was totally in agreement with you guys. And then admittedly, this was more in episode four. But I had a sort of revelation that made me like them a lot more, which is that they're not. They're not the foil for Sam and Bucky. They're the foil for Captain America. Mm-hmm. Like they are they are the same Sam and Bucky are are offset by Zemo and uh, whatever his freaking name is. Uh, I've, Power I've no, or no, the Captain America. I've lost track of his. Oh, John Walker. John Walker. John Walker, John Walker is the offset to the um, the Flag Smashers. Mm-hmm. And that really comes to a head in episode four. Like it's no longer subtle. Um, well, let's move on to episode four then. <laughs> yes, because John Walker, I don't think, had that much to do in episode uh, in episode three, which was almost a shame. Because uh, I mean, it's a shame. The real shame is that he's getting death threats over his betrayal, and we'll get to the fact that the Dora Milaje came in at the end of episode three. We'll just cover that in episode four. But uh, it's a shame that people that people are like giving sending death threats to um, Wyatt Russell because I think he's on the way to being a very like umbridge joffrey like he's in that class of villain you know or he's Mm -hmm. just so hateable but that means that the actor is doing a really good job yeah so episode four starts off with uh bucket they show kind of a step in bucky um getting over his winter soldier training it was working with i don't even know her her name um from the dora milaje i don't know if they said i think they say it once but i i'm blanking on it but uh basically he's by a campfire and then they say the the trigger words to him and you can i think they just said hey sebastian do you just feel like acting today and he was like i think i could do some acting it's like perfect because because we need good in that scene we need you just to just to fucking act your dick off dude (laughs) And he does. Yeah, the whole pain, like crying, like just everything about that scene was was excellent, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, scene. it was just painful to watch, but just incredible acting by Sebastian Stan. It was such a great scene. Well, and I thought one of the things that I thought it did really, really well is that I'm a very when I when I watch stuff, I'm a very empathetic observer. Like, I don't watch cringe comedies because I spend the whole time not laughing, but like squirming in my chair because mm-hmm. I just hate that. And there, like, there's a lot of situations where I will have to, like, I will watch a movie, but I will watch it through like cracks in my fingers, not because something scary or disgusting is happening, but because a character is embarrassing themselves. Yep. And so it is, it's very rare for me to watch a scene that powerfully emotional without not feeling the need to shy away from it. And so I, I think they walked a line very well because I didn't have that problem. 
Um, I think because it, it also kind of felt earned for him. Like you're just like when you're watching, you're just like fuck yeah. Like this is the catharsis that he clearly needed. Yeah, you've seen him struggle with it for so long. It was really nice to see. It. Like you, you know, we know that he's sort of broken free of that because they've shown that it, you know, Zemo tried it on him and it didn't work. So we already know that he's kind of free of it. But to actually see it happen was a really nice moment. Hmm. And I think oh, like, the actually, show. Sorry, go on. Okay, I was just going to say that you just reminded me that speaking of Zemo, my favorite moment of episode four is a totally like not it's not any of the action moments. It's when they're talking about super soldiers and Zemo's like, all super soldiers are bad and, and power is basically what he says is power corrupts. And Sam goes, it didn't corrupt Steve. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking like, because that was my thought, too, of course. And then you turn it turns to Zemo and Zemo just immediately goes, touche. Yeah. And I went, oh, very nice. Cause like the standard supervillain thing would be to to counter that. But Zemo's like, no, you're right, but Steve's one of a kind. And everyone in the room is like, yeah, Steve's one of a kind. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he made them, he he used the argument in a way that they couldn't disagree with. There's only one Steve Rogers. And it's like now that John Walker is so much more in this episode, you're just like. Yeah, there truly was. And we'll kind of come to that that later on. I think what I was going to say there, and I'll sneak it in real quick. I think there's a real solid like mental health reading of this show as well. And it comes like in that Bucky scene where he's clearly gone through therapy uh, with the Dormilaje, a form of therapy, certainly. Now he's in like the more traditional therapy when he was, you know, seeing a therapist, albeit kind of an asshole one, but maybe that's what he needed. And then I really like how they brought back that Sam was a counselor. That was his job. You know, he, he moved on from the military for a time. Cooley has gone back, but he retired and he was working as a counselor. And that's a part of his character that except for like the first five seconds of winter soldier, when you meet him, has it come back? And it was nice to be like, yeah, that's a part of the character that they, they shouldn't leave behind. I really actually thought that was, that was quite good. And you see it go the other way too. When they, they're going back and forth, that's kind of how the show was pitched, right? Is that Sam and Bucky are going back and forth. But when Sam is like, hey, I need to talk to somebody and use my skills that I've learned as a counselor to empathize with them, which, again, I'm skipping ahead to that scene because it's really good. But then John Walker wants to interrupt it. And Bucky's like, no, like the talking thing could work, dude. I thought that was actually uh, really strong as well. But totally. Just going back to that Zemo again, that Zemo scene, that's scene Mo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so well done because I totally agree. Zemo like had a good counter. It comes up later in the episode two where he's like, all super soldiers need to go. And he's like, what about Bucky? And and I think Zemo, I forget what he said, but it was kind of the implication that, well, Bucky's a means to an end here, you know? Yeah. He's the vampire that's killing vampires to use a blade reference out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's that, Marvel. It's in universe. That's correct. But yeah, it was a good it was a good example of Zemo is they're not going to betray his character by making him unreasonable. Sam made a good yeah. point and he was like, yeah, that's fair. But it, he's just the one guy. Yeah, that's why Erskine picked him kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So moving on from that, the uh, yeah. Then they have more scenes where they're kind of dealing with the aftermath of the bombing. And then you have this, this great scene where Zemo is kind of talking to kids and he offers them some, some Turkish delight. You get to a bit of a reminder that Zemo was a dad, which is, you know, again, a key part of his character that I'm glad they didn't leave behind. He's not just mustache twirling villain. This is a former 
well, I guess you don't stop being a father, but yeah, that he was, was he's, it's a reminder that like he has some human, right? Like he's not just some big, you know, evil, evil guy. Like, you know, he was turned evil by something extremely traumatic in his life. It's a few other moments like Sam being a counselor in, in these couple of episodes where they call back um, like small things. I mean, not small things to the character. Obviously, sun dying is huge for him, but like that were just like little bits of, of what made them interesting before that they're really kind of bringing back in this. And it's really nice to see makes them feel more like fully fleshed out people that have like an actual history. Yeah. And like, I don't, I totally don't even expect the whole thing with the kids where he said not to trust Sam and Bucky to come back, but that's kind of Zemo so smart that they're just showing that whatever he's doing, he's putting in seeds to cover his ass. If thing goes wrong, like when I saw that scene where he was like to the kids, don't trust these two. I didn't think that the kids were going to be part of his master plan to betray them. I thought he was just saying, if things go wrong, I need a backup plan and these kids might be it. You know, yeah. I'm proving that yeah. they can trust me and not him. Yeah. This episode makes Zemo look really smart where like civil war, it's like some of the criticism that he got was his plan uh, needed a lot of like extremely lucky things to happen or like, you know, he knew things that he shouldn't have known. I don't necessarily agree with those, but that was a major criticism of his. And you don't get that sense at all in, in this show. Like it just makes him seem like an extremely smart villain that knows exactly what he's doing you know like sam and bucky they just walk in and try and talk to people and of course no one wants to talk to them right mm -hmm. zemo he doesn't do that he goes and and gives candy to kids to like basically trick them into to knowing what he wants it he just he comes off as like conniving and like um and just really like sneaky and kind of ominous but that's exactly what they need he just he seems really it's the shows make him seem really really intelligent and i like it a lot yeah, he's almost like uh, he learned from Kyburn from Game of Thrones, right? Like he's just mm -hmm. he got the little, got the little. Uh, make sure you get your arm. What did Kyburn call them? Little birds or something like that. Yeah. Um, oh no, it was also uh, Kyburn inherited that from from Varys, I should say. But yeah, like getting kids to work with you is a very, very smart way to uh, to get information from a city that's gone evil. So then you get to see that Carly and the Flag Smashers. <clears throat> I thought they only had twenty uh, vials of serum total. Look like they had 20 vials of serum in that little baggie and yeah. they already had like 10 people. So what the hell? But I guess like most of them are going to be destroyed by the end of this episode anyway. So we'll move on from that. And then in comes John Walker <laughs> to fuck everything up. I like how he just like walks in and you think that maybe you missed something in the scene because maybe they're close to each other now. Nope. He's just yelling at these guys from across the street. <laughs> like again, so classic bad example of america and now they have this sort of uneasy uh yeah uneasy alliance i guess i was trying to think of the it reminded me of mortal Kombat deadly alliance a bit there <laughs> where they have this uneasy alliance between all these people and then they have this idea but you could tell that the john the entire time you just have the feeling he's gonna fuck it up he's gonna find yeah. some way to fuck it up you just have the feeling the whole time he locks up zemo clearly showing that he does not understand zemo because this is a guy who could definitely get out of handcuffs. But I like how Zemo played along. I was like, okay, so I guess you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, it's not exactly the same, but I can do her. Uh, so then Sam, they, again, I I got the feeling that there was more scenes regarding Mama Donya, but they just had the, to cut to the part where she's dead. So there's a lot of stuff. It's like, trust us. In the original, we showed why she, but we can't now because COVID. So we're just going to tell you how important she was including your tt 
Yeah, my my TT, my aunt. Future Simon here. Unfortunately, we got another audio glitch happening right here, but uh, we're gonna try to eliminate these in the future. Don't worry. Hopefully, this will not be a regular occurrence. Trust me. I hope it will not be. But really, all you're missing in this little segment is us talking about the beginning of Sam's conversation with Carly when he was using some therapist things on it, and how it came just a little bit out of left field that he was a little too easily able to convince her to say a proper supervillain line like i killed them they were in my way so uh when we jump in here that's exactly what we're going to be talking about careful and calculated to all of a sudden being like i murdered them because they were in my way wait you tricked me yeah that like, was it's just a little weird i understood that that's where they were trying to go but I, it didn't quite feel like it got to the point where i could believe that she was going to do that but adam what do you think of that the sam counseling scene i thought that was really good um, I thought it, I agree with you I, that that line came a bit out of nowhere. Um, the thing I did like about. I One of the things I liked about this episode was that it did. In addition to what I said earlier about uh, the Flag Smashers being the offset for for Captain America is it did a good job of showing that Carly really has no idea what she's doing. Yeah. Um, yep. Like she's in just way, way over her head and she has, you know, noble and idealistic goals and all that, but she clearly has no idea what she's doing. And you sort of saw that with the end of the third episode when they blow up the frickin' uh, that building and you and the one of the other guys goes, what are you doing? There are people in there. And she goes, violence is the only language these people understand. Yeah. And she's going, playing the part of a terrorist, even though she doesn't. Yeah. 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 And it's just, uh, it was, yeah, it, it, it does a very good job of, of that. And in, in basically in exactly the same way that John Walker has no idea what he's doing. Um, and they actually, they, you get a couple scenes with that when you see John with, um, whatever battle star, whatever his sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. Hoskins. Um, and you, you, ve you very much see that too, which I also like is that the, cause that seems to be the theme of this. Uh, series is that apart from Zemo and possibly Sharon, nobody has any idea what they're doing. Yeah. I even think like to me, Zemo doesn't seem like he knows exactly what he's doing. To me, it seems like he's a guy who just sees a billion different ways that things could be going. And just in case it goes wrong, I want to have a contingency here. I want to have a contingency here. I want to have a contingency here. That's where I, I kind of thought that he yeah. was going. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, again, you, you get the at the end of the scene, you get the feeling that he might have flown the coop, but he didn't. But I also thought, and Matt, I'm going to go to you in a second, mm -hmm. that these scenes really showed that you need Lamar to balance out John. You know, like Sam and Bucky, they work independently together. They're fantastic, clearly, but they could work independently. John needs the balance. You know, he's got way too much chutzpah. He's got way too much chaotic energy. And Lamar was really the entire time was like, dude, like maybe calm Chill. down. Like when, <laughs> when uh, John was like, it hasn't been 10 minutes. Like we, we agreed on that. He's like, I don't give a shit. Your partner's going to die. Are you okay with that? And you can really feel that John is the fact that he's not a super soldier is really weighing on him. Right? Like he, I'm just a human. I don't have the advantages. These people do. It was a great line that he says to Bucky. It's like, Oh, this must be easy for you. You know, this yeah. must be holding people back. You have the super strength. You haven't had to earn it. You know? And then, but then well, after he gets his ass kicked by the Wakandans, he's like, and they weren't even super soldiers. Yeah, that's a, that's really a major theme in this episode yeah. from for sure. But both times you have Lamar there to be like, dude, like 
let's just let them do their work. Of course, he still fucks it up, but let's just let them do their work. But Matt, what did you think of that kind of whole before everything goes horribly wrong? Mm -hmm. That whole scene. Yeah, I just want to touch on Lamar again. Um, yeah, go for it. I, I think he, like you said, he's, I think, necessary for John Walker because, like, like John's an asshole, like, w with Lamar or without Lamar, but Lamar makes him seem like a human asshole. Like, you get the moments between them where you understand why John is kind of the way he is. You still don't agree with him. You definitely don't like him. Um, but yeah, you know, like, like you said, the partner with like, or the line with like your partners in there. It's like, well, you understand the relationship that John has with his partner. So you like, you know, it, it gives a lot of depth to what he's saying when you understand this relationship with this other guy. And I like their sort of, you know, humanizing scenes that they get a couple of times, you know, when they talk about the wars that they've been in together. And it, it really makes, because I think John Walker, he, it, it's, uh, runs the danger of, being just a straight up asshole for being an asshole's sake. Mm -hmm. um, but the scenes with Lamar kind of, I think you make you understand why he is the way he is. And I think they work really well together. Um, the scene with Sam and Carly, I loved it. I agree that one line um, where she's like, you know, they're just in my way and I'll kill them again if I have to. Um, yeah, a little out of nowhere. Other than that one line, I really like this scene. Um, and I think this is another thing like the Flag Smashers have been in general, where like we've all seen this scene before right this is not some like new novel thing um where you know the good guy goes in to talk to the bad guy one-on-one -on -one and like they're gonna try and come together and and you know be reasonable and reach an agreement to try and work something out and then oh like you know the brash teammate rushes in and ruins the whole thing and now they're fighting each other again like that's happened in lots of things um so you know it's there's the danger of the scene not being that interesting because we know exactly what's going to happen. As soon as it starts, you know that John is going to rush in and ruin the what, what's happening with Sam and Carly. But it still really works. It's just written so well. Um, you know, even though you know exactly what's going to happen, it's telegraphed the whole way. You know, I still felt myself believing. I was like, yes, like, you know, Sam's doing awesome. They can, you know, she's, I, I see the human in her. She's not, you know, she's kind of like a terrorist who doesn't really understand yet that she is a terrorist. Um, and it's like, you know, maybe, maybe they can, they can bring her back, you know, um, even though you know exactly what's going to happen the whole time. I, I thought the scene was done really, really well. And I, it was so nice to see um, a superhero being a superhero in a way other than just like punching people. Um, Agreed. It, yeah. Yeah. It's like, we actually don't see it all that much. You think there would be more of it, um, you know, for all the, you know, wonderful people and great ideologies that all these characters have. We actually have very few scenes of one of them just like successfully talking down a bad guy, like being open with them. Um, and I mean, and you know, the scene is essentially Sam almost therapizing Carly. Um, it, it was a really nice thing to see. It was a really cool, refreshing scene, even though it's something we've seen a whole bunch of times. And you know exactly what's going to happen. It was kind of it was a it was. Yeah, it, it was refreshing. I, I really, really like the scene. Agreed. It, it reminded me of like we talked about it last week when we talked about the Justice League, but that scene with Wonder Woman talking to the kid and giving hope to the kid is as important, if not more important, than scenes of Wonder Woman kicking ass. You know, yeah. like that is yeah. 
so crucial to characters who aren't necessarily like Batman, probably not. Although some of the greatest Batman moments from Batman, the animated series, I don't know as much. I can't think of a specific moment from the comic books that jumps to my head, but like there's that very famous scene. I think he's talking to one of the minor supervillains who's dying. Like they have a bomb in their heart or something like that. Ace. Yeah. And like, they're on a swing set and he's just like, yeah, I'll stay with you. Like it was a very nice moment of Batman. I I'm sitting next to my favorite Superman comic, uh, all-star Superman. And they devote an entire panel to the fact that Superman runs up and finds someone who's about to kill themselves. They're going to jump off a, a tall building. Uh, and yeah, then he just, yeah, it's, it's a great little scene. It's not very long, but it's a great little scene of Superman being like, and he, he uses his powers in an interesting way. He's like, your, your te- or whoever it was, didn't, they didn't blow you off. They're just stuck in traffic. They're like, they're trying to get here. Things aren't as bad yeah. as you think. And that ends up with Superman just giving someone a hug. That's what being a superhero is about. It's not as sexy as the punching and kicking, but yeah. it's so important. And I, I totally agree with you that this show is doing a great job of showing that, yeah, these guys are characters and the, they're heroes in the same way. Um, and, and in the same way that John is <laughs> very much not. Yeah. Uh, he should be. Great On moment. paper, he's perfect. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but exactly. he's just not. But uh, there's another great moment, just to sidetrack briefly, in yeah. one of the Batman comics, actually, that I remember seeing, is that and because the the conceit of the batman universe is that he doesn't send them to prison he sends them to arkham and that's just so they can escape and come back next week but also because all of them are nuts like not just supervillain nuts but legitimately mentally disturbed and i really like when the comics actually uh make that explicit like there's one comic with the riddler where batman tracks him down and he's like, here are all the clues you left for me. And the Riddler just goes ape shit because he's like, yes, I did that. But I was really trying not to do that. So, yeah, take me to Arkham because I think I'm nuts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's really good. Like in in terms of a it's another one where it's like he resolves the situation. He doesn't throw a single punch. Um. And it's just like, it's a really good acknowledgement of the fact that, you know, if you're going to call these people crazy, they should actually act like they're crazy. Yeah, that's a good point. Like Arkham works as the sort of just this horrible place that they send people. It's like a little prison, but it works just as well as what it's supposed to be, like a natural mental assignment. But we'll keep moving on in this show. Um, So then Zemo escapes, but he finds Carly. And again, it's like, is he going to try and team up with her? Like as a half second, it's like, what's he going to do? pulls it again and shoots at her and hits her. I think in the stomach, right? Yeah. Um, he's not fucking around. <laughs> Zemo's here to kill super soldiers. They give you another bait and switch. Not that long later where he like looks at all the super soldier serum. And you're thinking, is this going to be the term? Is this going to be where he decides that maybe he'll keep a couple of them and he can be a more effective killer of super soldiers if he was a super soldier, but no, he destroyed. I mean, destroys all of them that he can before John fucks it up, but like there's, really no hesitation in this game once he realizes what it is then it's just break all of them as quickly as possible i don't care this type of stuff killed i mean he's really pissed at captain america the original right so this type of stuff killed my family we didn't even talk about earlier i don't even think that we need to because we've talked a lot about zemo's character development but he's got a great moment where he and sam brings it up too where he basically says super soldiers are inherently supremacist because now that there's classes of different people, you can't have equality. So if you're a freedom fighter, but you're trying to create super soldiers, it inherently doesn't make sense. 
it was a great thing that I don't think Carly was prepared to have spit back at her. And I kind of would have liked, I'd be surprised if it doesn't come up later. Let's phrase it like that. But, uh, but yeah. And then of course he gets clocked by John. <laughs> this is the famous moment. Uh, he should probably be in worse shape than he is at the end of the next scene where he's basically just has a cold towel on his head and he's totally okay. Didn't think that was great. They have the conversation where they need to get Sam out of the way. Uh, and then they have another scene with, with Sam and Bucky, John and Lamar have another scene. I think I'm just moving quickly cause I don't want to spend too much longer. And I think that we've more or less covered the scenes with John and Lamar when they were talking about, uh, or actually that's after the dorm lodge, but we all agree that that was great where they were talking about, would you become a super soldier? Although it was a good point that, um, sorry not to ramble too much. It was a good point that even though John is pretty much the best that it gets, there's a reason Erskine picked Steve. He yeah. had a group of the best that it gets in front of him. He didn't want that guy, you know? That, that was the point. It was, a, it was a, and again, a very good scene. So let's move right into the Dharmalaje fight. It was a, it was a great one. Um, they show up. Everyone wants Zemo. Everyone's pissed off. And I thought Wyatt Russell played it to perfection. You know, he's like, hey, I'm Captain America. You're supposed to be starstruck because I'm Captain fucking America. <laughs> let me put my hand out so you can shake it. And then when that doesn't work, let me give you like a, a firm slap on the shoulder. I touched you. You're welcome. And then he gets his <laughs> ass kicked. You know, it was so, yeah, was so satisfying. And uh, Matt, again, I, I don't know that we need to spend too much on the scene. I'll get your guys' opinion, though. But at the end, of course, you get that wonderful shot with, with John saying, they weren't even super soldiers. These people were in the same class of human as me, and I still couldn't beat them. You know? But also, it was yeah. funny to, to see J J uh, Bucky be like, you're doing great, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all the banter in this fight was great and it was sort of like when i was watching it, i'm like man zemo did it again he's got everybody fighting against each other and he just sort of sneaks out the door while they're all going at each other it was great and yeah that shot at the end is worth uh john was like they weren't even super soldiers you know it's like this guy's an asshole we don't like him but he still gets those kind of moments where it's like you just see that like he wants so badly to live up to captain america Mm -hmm. And he just can't do it and can't do it and can't do it because he just doesn't really understand what being Captain America is. But he's trying so hard is like his his heart is in the right place. But he's just he just doesn't have what it takes to be Captain America, even though he's trying so hard. It was a really cool moment. Well, one of the other great yeah. scenes that shows that exact same thing is a little later when he's like bursting in and looking for them. You, you get this long lingering shot of him walking around with a gun. And it's like, they so didn't need to show us that. Yeah, they, exactly. They didn't need to show us that. But that's the whole point. It's so uncomfortable to see Captain America walking around with a gun. And, and again, it, it's just, that's what people associate with America. You yeah. know? It's, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a really, some, someone way smarter than any of us is going to write a really great PhD dissertation on this show and like the differences between Captain America. I mean, we'll get to them in the, in the final scene. But uh, they kind of split up. John and, and Lamar kind of have their, their final talk where they talk about the super soldier serum makes you more than you are. And I think I think Lamar is smart enough. I, I really like his character, first of all. And the actor's Canadian, so shout out to him. Um, but I really like, I, f I feel like if, if Lamar knew that John had super soldier serum, he probably would have changed the conversation. To me, it sounded like he was giving him a pep talk, you know? It's just like, yeah, it makes you more that you are. And look at what you are, John. You're great. You have three medals of honor. 
They're fantastic. You're the top of everything. Like he's trying to build them back up because they just got their asses kicked. But if he yeah. had known he has super soldier serum in his pocket, he might've been a little bit more uh, discerning in the way he phrased things because clearly it doesn't end well for everyone who's not named Steve Rogers. I feel like he would have told him not to use it. Cause when yeah. he asked him, he's like, Oh hells. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. like, like they're just kind of joking around and it's like, you know, it's, you know, if we're talking about like, Oh, what would you do if you had like a billion dollars? It's like, what we say isn't what we would actually do with it. Right. If it was a real thing, it's like a hypothetical. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, like you said, he's just trying to pump up his friend is sort of a, a nice moment between the two. Yeah. Adam, did you have any thoughts on that scene or should we move on? I think we can move on. You basically said everything I would have said. Perfect. So then you have the awkward scene of Carly talking to Sarah again. We haven't seen a lot of Sarah since episode one. And I thought we all agree that Sarah was great. So it's good to see her back. She's also great. Carly being kind of scummy and threatening kids and has like that moment. She's like maybe by the doc, you know, like revealing that she knows too much. She's done a little homework. And uh, I thought in the in the following scene where Sam confronts Carly on one hand, you really couldn't have hid Bucky. Well, you know, he's like a super spy, basically. He couldn't have hidden in a bush or something. Why did you have to walk in with both of them? It just didn't seem particularly smart. But at the same time, Sam's in full costume now. And it's clear that he says it to Carly immediately. You know, you change things when you brought in my family, you know, yeah. like the part where I was just going to talk to you and it was going to be peaceful counseling. That's gone. Now we're in armor time because you've started something by threatening my nephews. I thought that was, I thought Sam should have hid, but other than that, I like the scene. You mean Bucky? Sorry. Yeah. But I thought Bucky should have hit better than that. I like the scene. And then, of course, she realizes that this is a distraction. I'm just getting these two away from John because the real plan here is to assassinate John. Yeah. Uh, so then you get, a, a I thought, a pretty good scene where I, I wasn't clear on how they captured Lamar. But they do get Lamar on his own. They hog tie him and they knock him out. And then you get the wonderful scene where John bends a pipe when Sam's there. And she's like, oh. I knew you were going to take that serum. I didn't know you were going to take that serum immediately. Yeah. Oh, oh dear. Now we're in, now we're in a whole whole new situation. So Lamar escapes, and then we'll jump right to the the big moments of this final climactic episode where they have a huge fight in this sort of sanitarium thing. I thought John's line of "Why? What's with all the knives?" That was actually pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was good. I like that. They did keep pulling out knives. You know, John is now holding his own against multiple flag smashers, which I think is like his fantasy, Sam and Bucky. They're both doing great. But then Lamar comes in as the one guy who's just like a dude. And uh, not that Sam isn't also a dude, but gets punched and is presumably dead. I also thought that uh, Wyatt's acting for Lamar was like perfect. He was like, no, like total denial. Like, hey, 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 this is like, like oh, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Like just repeating the same things over and over again. And, absolute yeah. desperation i thought that he did great there and it was like i'm trying to think of another scene it comes to my head it feels familiar is what i'm trying to say i'm struggling with the words i can't think of the exact scene that it reminds me of but just we we were having this little superhero fight and now something's changed now it's personal you know now we're now we're coming for blood and we will get there in a second but matt what did you think of that sort of courtyard fight before we get into uh the the absolute conclusion yeah i really liked it i thought the actual moment of lamar's death that was the thing that i mentioned before where it was um they're a little selective with the the bits that like actually injure people where like 
this is something that would kill you, you know, so it's not unrealistic that this that he would die here, except that, you know, th basically this exact same thing has happened 200 times, you know, across all the movies and shows and stuff leading up to this. So it was it sort of felt a little bit like a video game where it's like, oh, we're in a cut scene and someone gets shot. And now they die like yeah. in gameplay. Yeah. You get shot 50 times and you're fine. Um, yeah. So. It was a nice moment, John talking to him, but the actual moment of his death, I, I felt it was just a little bit distracting. Um, and uh, I also didn't quite understand once, like when Lamar died, all the flag smashers are suddenly just kind of like, oh, shit. Like, like even Carly, they're like, oh, my God, we killed a guy like, OK, we need to get out like this. Like it was some game changing moment for them. And it's like she just blew up a building. I know the other guys are uncomfortable with it, but even Carly was like, oh, no, like. What have we done? We need to we need to get out of here. I thought that moment was a little odd. Um, but overall, overall, I really like the fight. There's a um, another cool moment of what felt like direct comparison with Steve and John Walker, because when the Flag Smashers run out of the building, John does the like run up slow mo, like use the shield to like uh, to uh, jump through a window, like down onto the ground, just like captain america did in civil war um when he was chasing bucky or was it the winter soldier might have been the winter, I think soldier. It was winter soldier he probably yeah. didn't both let's be honest he yeah. yeah that move but like it's a pretty well-known shot it was in all the trailers and he does the exact same exact same move like uses a shield to jump through a window and does like a superhero landing um on a car or something when he lands down on the ground but like you know that this is this is different you know mm -hmm. he looks like captain america he's doing the thing captain america did but this guy's not Captain America. Uh, and it it's just with the the music and with what you know he's about to go do. Um, it was just a really kind of unsettling comparison that I liked a lot. Yeah, sorry, to that point that you made a second ago, because I totally agree with everything you just said. It probably could have used like the classic zoom in on the exact part. I didn't like it with a cracking sound effect. You know, like I'm reminding of uh, I'm reminded of Ender's Game, which I watched not that long ago. But I, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I think Adam has at least. I have. Yeah. Uh, but at, there's a one point where they're having a fight in a shower and Ender, who is like the strategist, right? He's not the biggest, strongest guy, but he kicks a guy and the guy slips because it's wet and like cracks his head, you yeah. know, and mm -hmm. then he's pretty much in a coma. But what they do is it's not just like he didn't just land awkwardly. They kind of show a side angle of the back of the head hitting something and that's what did the damage so as like awful as it would have seen to see battlestar go through that that probably could have been a way they could have shot it to more cement it was like oh like he had already gotten punched in the face by a super soldier and knocked out not that long ago and then here he had like the back of his head hit the pillar or whatever and that's what did it like maybe just i agree it was a little bit like oh is he is he down for good okay yeah, just you don't did, really did know until thing, impale him on a spike that's yeah. what they always do. Yeah. Just impale him yeah. on a spike. Yeah, because you don't really know until the next shot. Like, he gets hit, he smacks against the thing, and you're like, okay, he's out for a sec. And then, like, the next shot, there's, like, blood coming out of his mouth, and it's like, oh, I guess I guess he's dead. And then you sort of wait around, it's like, 20 seconds later, like, oh, no, yeah, he's dead. Okay. Oh, well, that's too bad. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like it just took away from the moment a bit. Yeah, and they even go back to a shot of him when John is uh, running, and you kind of expect him to move. Like, maybe he's going to wake up, and then you realize that what John is doing was a little bit preemptive and that could still happen, but he's still very dead looking 
yeah. in the next uh, in the next scene. Adam, what did you think of of Lamar's demise? Yeah, I pretty much agree. I think they could have they sold it a little more. Like I said, I think they could have stuck him on a spike. Uh, that would have made it explicit. But I, I yeah, I liked the whole thing. I liked the the fact that I mean, in the moment, I was actually quite annoyed. But looking back on it, I think it makes a lot more sense that all the flag smashers basically just stopped because I'm like, what what were you trying to do if not that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then but looking back and I'm like, yeah, like all of you are clearly way out of your depth here. Um, and so now congratulations, you've killed a dude. Not me was like a building you weren't in. But you punch the dude and he's dead now. It's so much more personal when you punch the dude. And it was almost like, and you guys are both the eldest brothers, uh, but it was almost like when you're playing with your little brother and like you're play fighting and then someone actually like cranks their head on something. It's just like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. You're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Don't tell mom, don't tell mom, don't tell mom. You know, like that, kind of <laughs> you know, yeah. like that type of moment where it's like, we were doing this, like this fight because that's what we do. We, we do these fights. And now a, a person is actually dead and it's, I do think it's like a trolley problem, right? Like killing someone with a bomb is so much less personal. Killing someone with your bare hands to me is more significant. And also I think, I think that they dipped because they were just like, they knew that this Captain America already isn't stable. They have to know that they just have to, after all, he ruined the conversation that they were having with Sam. Right. And then Sarah made it clear to, to Carly. I don't know about anything about John Walker. I can guarantee you Sam is not working for him. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's, it's very clear to Carly that John Walker is kind of operating on a different level than, than the Avengers are to be, to just use the phrase. Mm-hmm. So when they kill him and it's just like, okay, the representative from America is now like no holds barred going to fuck us up and we'll get fu- now into the final scene. Uh, yeah, he is ironically uh, or not ironically good writing. The guy who earlier in the episode said he looked used to look up to Captain America or used to be a Captain America fan. Um, that hurts to see now that he's just getting killed by Captain America. Uh, and then John just showing up a beautiful lack of restraint. I think a few like there certainly would have been some cell phones, but I feel like seeing Captain America just straight up kill a dude. And we all thought he was going to like decapitate him with the shield. Yeah, my God. I think that. Like certain people would have had cell phones out there, but I think a lot of people would have been like, what in the fuck? Like if I saw that, my first reaction would not be to have a cell phone out. I can tell you because I've been in, I haven't seen Captain America murder anyone in person, but I've definitely (laughs) been in a few moments where retroactively, I'm like, I should have fucking filmed that. But at the time I was just like, oh shit. You know, like that Mitch Hedberg joke where it's like, you're supposed to yell four, but I was too busy. I was too busy yelling. Ain't no way that's going to hit him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know? So the fact that you like pan around, I think like every, not every person, but every two or three people uh, has a cell phone out. I was like, okay, that's, that's a lot of them. And then the final shot, this is the money shot. Mm -hmm. Captain America with the bloody shield. Wow. Matt, yeah. what did you think about the the execution, we'll say, of one of the Flag Smashers? I, f- I feel like, you know, we're two-thirds of the way through the show. That shot of the bl- of John Walker holding the bloody shield, that's going to be the iconic image from this show. Like, Agreed. from the second he walks out the door, you kn- again, you know exactly what it's going to be. Like, from the second you know that he's going after these guys, it's like, 
he's going to end the shot with blood all over the shield and looking around at all these people watching him. But it was still, I mean, terrible, but really satisfying to watch. It was really well done. Um, and yeah, just like this is like we've known that he's a little off the deep end, but now it's just out in the open. It was re- it's I think it's going to be satisfying to sort of see him obviously not get what's coming to him probably in the next episode but you know it's like yeah we we've known you're an asshole now like the whole world has watched you execute someone on the street you know i I, i'm really looking forward to see what the follow to that's going to be in the next episode um but yeah i think that shot with the bloody shield is going to be like the iconic image from this show i agree and adam made the comparison earlier and i'll go to him next uh it's his homelander moment right yeah 100 percent is yeah, I do what snapped. the fuck I want. <laughs> yeah, he's shown yeah. who he is. And now I, uh, world. Sorry, Adam, go ahead. Well, uh, as far like I mean, I think I made that like I I still agree with that statement, but I think there is like Homelander's not even trying to be a good person. He is purely faking it. John yeah. Walker is doing his best. The problem is his best isn't good enough. Yeah. Um so, like, I, I yeah, I, I don't want to, before we go too far off, and I don't want to make the comparison like that the John Walker is Homelander. Um, but. No, no, and even in this scene, you don't get the feeling, like, you get the feeling that John Walker's doing this to avenge Lamar, but also in a way that, I mean, Steve was a soldier in a traditional sense, but not in the way John Walker was. And That's as true. a soldier, I can only imagine because I'm not one, but if one of the enemy combatants kills your guy, then you kill him, <laughs> you know, to, to John Walker's at war. The rest of them are having a superhero fight. He's in another level because he's at war. He's taking that mentality to them, which to be fair, it, it sort of feel, makes you feel uneasy because again, you're used to all these superhero fights where a lot of them, it's just like, why wouldn't more people have guns? Well, because they're not really trying to kill each other. Whoever wins the fist fight, their philosophy wins is essentially how 95% of these superhero things go. And it's like John Walker just didn't get the memo. He's like, yeah, no, I can kill somebody. They killed my guy. It's like, Mm-mm, you're, you're still not supposed to, John. Yeah, yeah. It's like seeing your best friend killed right in front of you. Wanting to kill that person like is not unreasonable. Right. But that's what made Captain America who he was. Is he doesn't take revenge on people like Steve Rogers happened to be a soldier, but John Walker just is a soldier right like you killed my guy i kill you you know but again it's like he might be cats in america but he's not steve yeah i think i'm gonna in the same way that i think one division pretty clearly made um ultron better because it kind of gave you more context around wanda and vision in, in ultron i think that this movie and it was already a good movie but this tv show is going to make captain america the first avenger better because again, that scene where you have all the candidates for Captain America that um, Tommy Lee Jones is like, look at all these fine soldiers. They're all John Walker. And Erskine was a fucking mm-hmm. genius for identifying the correct guy. Yeah. yeah okay. What so, makes a superhero is not what John Walker has. Exactly. He's got super soldier. He doesn't necessarily have superhero in him. So uh we'll pretty much wrap up there do you guys th- i mean obviously zemo is coming back and that wasn't just as like his entry for the show but we're running out of time here so uh maybe adam one last thought where do you think next week's gonna go uh i have no idea and i'm kind of delighted by that 
because like we have a lot of loose threads. Zemo's gone. We don't know what's going on with Sharon. We don't know what's going on with the power broker, if indeed that is a different person. Uh, and oh, and John has just started a shitstorm. Um, that is probably going to get all of them run out of town. Uh, so I have absolutely no idea how they're going to cram all that into one episode, but I'm delighted to like, this is the first time I've enjoyed this show. This is the only one where I'm gone. I can't wait for next week. Like yeah. no other, every other episode I've been like, Oh, that was great. And then a week later, you're like, we should do an episode. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I should watch that show. But this, after, <laughs> after this one, I was like, no, I need, I need, I need this episode now. I need to know what's going to happen. Yeah. I had the exact same feeling as soon as it ended. I was like, well, what do we do now? I have to watch the next one. Yeah. You know, same thing. Like, I, you know, I, I really like the show up until now, but I'm so excited for the next episode. Like, I actually can't wait for it. I, I love these two episodes, especially episode four. I think it's the best one of the show so far. And I'm kind of with you, Adam. I honestly have no idea where it's going to go. I'm, I'm super interested to see. But like, I tried to make some predictions and I just I honestly couldn't even figure it out. So I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to see what's going to happen in the next one. I'll make it a three-peat to finish it off. I also don't know where it's going to go. What I, My only prediction is that we will not get resolution. It's going to be like WandaVision. We will not get as many resolutions to the story threads as we think. I think that's, like, if you look, they only have two episodes. It's like, how, I mean, you could easily sit back and be like, how far are they going to go into the Wakanda and stuff? What's going to happen to Zemo? What's going to happen to John? What's going to happen to Carly? What's going to happen to the Power Broker? There's like four or five different things I might have even listed six. Like, if you really sat down and come to it, you could probably come up with even more. What's going to happen with Sam and his house? What's going to happen with Bucky and his list? What's going to happen with the old Asian guy? You know, there's oh yeah, the old Asian stuff. guy. Yeah, Nori. We're not going to get resolution to all of this stuff, so I'm kind of curious just on how they're going to pick and choose the things that we are. Because similar to WandaVision, we're going into, we're just like, we're going to finally get to see what they've been building up to the entire time. Nope, it was just two witches the whole time. You know, it was Agatha all along. There was no one else. So I think that they'll have to pick and choose. Uh, but I agree. Like, this is, before now, it was like a good Marvel TV show. This is their masterpiece episode so far. I think we can all agree. It had pretty much everything that you'd want from an episode. And um, I'm confident, I'm, like, confident they're going to stick the landing. I really do have faith in this, uh, in this crew. They seem to know what they're doing and understand these characters very well. Okay. So if that's everything, I think we've gone on for long enough. So thank you for listening, everybody. Everybody out there, have a safe week. Have a great week, and we will see you next time.